Good morning, everyone. Nice to see you this morning. Really nice to be here. Thankful for uh, the opportunity to get to know Pastor James over the last couple months and obviously to be able to come and uh, speak to you this morning. And so I'm eager to uh, bring you the Word of God today. And so you can turn with me in your Bibles to John uh, chapter 14 and John chapter 16. And so keep your finger in both of those. We're going to be touching on those. But Pastor James has given me the task of opening up the Word and talking to you about the Holy Spirit. And so that's a broad topic, as you probably picked up on by now. And so I'm going to try and encapsulate in 40 minutes what could probably be about 15 sermons. And so I might be a little overtime today, but you're okay with that, right? Right? Because we're in God's house, we're learning from the Lord, and so the best place to be is in the Word of God. And so I am eager today to get into this uh, with you. Uh, the Holy Spirit. What do you know about the Holy Spirit? Let me ask that. What do you know about the Holy Spirit? I want to propose to you this. In our church culture today, we know a lot about the Father, we know a lot about the Son, but when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we're like, I don't know. And we're a little bit afraid to dive into the Holy Spirit because He seems so obscure and so random, and, and there's so many different takes on who the Holy Spirit is. We just don't know. We're a little bit afraid to go there. And yet I want to propose to you today that without a full knowledge of the Holy Spirit, we don't know the totality of the fullness of God. And if we don't know the totality of the fullness of God, we can't have a full and vibrant relationship with Him. And so knowing about the Holy Spirit, knowing the Holy Spirit is crucial to our Christian lives. And I can't understand why we have come to misunderstand and misappropriate the Holy Spirit so much in the Christian life because He is so clearly in the Scriptures, and it's not that complicated. But we have a wide range of beliefs in the Holy Spirit. On one side, we have those who believe uh, that the Holy Spirit is there, and they know that He is God, but since He's a little more complex and a little mysterious, more mysterious than the Father and the Son, uh, we really don't understand His ways. We treat Him like the odd uncle at a Christmas party. I don't know what he's going to do, and he might do something a little more random than I think, so we're just going to leave him in the corner, and we're just going to talk about the Father, Son, and just leave him there and never go back and look there again. Others of us have come on the other side to just elevate the Holy Spirit to unholy and unhealthy proportions. We get the Father, we get the Son, they're, they're great, they have their roles, but the Holy Spirit, he's like the cool little brother, he shows up at the party, and he's sporadic, and he's got all these supernatural tricks, and man, if there's any part of the Trinity I want on my side, it's the Holy Spirit. And like I said, they get to the unhealthy, unholy preoccupation with him, and then there's everything in between, and yet the Bible is clear on who the Holy Spirit is, and God wants us to know who the third member of the Trinity is. And so before we get to John 14 and 16, I want to give you kind of quickly, and I'll quickly in 10 minutes, a broad spectrum of the Holy Spirit uh, in the Old Testament to set up who he really is and what he's all about before we get to how he actually intervenes and intercedes in our lives today as believers. And so, so often, like Pastor James does, I like to get to the Scripture and just take a few verses and dive deep, but sometimes it's good to get a panoramic view of who God is through the Scripture. So I'm going to give you a quick panoramic view first. And so if you're taking notes today, I want you to write this down. So important for us to know about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is 100% God. The Holy Spirit is 100% God. He's invisible. That's why he's so tough to get a handle on, yet he's invaluable. You need to see the Holy Spirit to see the fullness of God and his glory. And make no mistake, the Holy Spirit says, the Bible says clearly that the Holy Spirit is God. When the Holy Spirit, when God speaks of the Holy Spirit, he doesn't talk about an it. He talks about a he. So the Holy Spirit's not an impersonal force like energy or wind. He is actually a person. In fact, he's a third member of the Trinity. In other words, he's a very as much God as God is and as the Son is. He's living, he's active, and he's a personal being like God the Father, God the Son. He possesses all the qualities of God. 
He is God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're all the same, distinct, yet equal, having different roles, equal in power, equal in authority, and equal in deity. Remember at Jesus' baptism, when Jesus rose out of the water, there was a voice in heaven saying what? God the Father, this is my Son with whom, this is my Son with whom I'm well pleased. That's why I picture his voice anyways, not a high squeaky one. Then we have Jesus coming out of the water. Where is the Holy Spirit? It's like a dove hovering over, signifying the presence of the living God. We think about Jesus' great commission, and he baptized, he called us to go and make disciples of all nations in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has all the qualities of God. He's preexistent, he's eternal, he's all-powerful, he is all-knowing and ever-present, a God of righteousness and justice, and just like God is a God of order and not a God of confusion, so the Holy Spirit runs in the same vein. He has the same emotions as God, he can be pleased and offended and he loves and he grieves that he is more than an emotion he is you got to get this he is god himself we worship god we elevate jesus the holy spirit is on the same plane we revere the holy spirit with the same reverence we have for god the father and god the son we worship god the father son and holy spirit we honor him as we do god He possesses all the qualities of God. He's an active agent of God's work. The Holy Spirit has been unmistakable in the world since the beginning of creation. If he's eternal, he's been unmistakable in the world since the beginning of creation. He wasn't hiding in the background for all of history until Jesus came and left. He's been an active part of the Trinity from before time began. Old Testament, when creation happened, what, how did that begin? In the beginning, it wasn't a big bang. It wasn't a Crazy, miraculous thing that happened by chance. It was God. It was crazy, miraculous. It was God himself speaking the universe into being. The earth was formed without form, a void and darkness. And get what it says, the Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the waters. He was actively involved in the creation of the world, the Father's plans. And humankind, when God created humankind, he created them in our image doesn't say in my image, in our image. Who's the our? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, he came upon men to accomplish God's tasks. He empowered specific men at specific times to accomplish the purposes of God. Think of Gideon. Gideon, by the power of the Holy Spirit, was a wimp turned to a warrior who delivered God's people in Judges 5, 6, and 7. Think of, think of Joshua. He was a learner. Moses understudied. turned into be a leader by who? The power of the Holy Spirit to lead God's people. Think of David, the little, the little kid, the little shepherd boy. David, he was a kid to a king. Wow, how come? Because it says in 1 Samuel 16, 13, the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him from that day until forward. He came upon God's men to accomplish God's task. He oversaw God's people. He was the one actively protecting and, and delivering God's people. God's presence was setting them apart, the presence of the Holy Spirit. He was the key to so many victories, the unseen God empowering, advancing God's people. And it says in the Old Testament that the Holy Spirit was one day going to come upon flesh in fullness of form in the person of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. In all fullness and power, God was going to put His Spirit upon His Son. So we get to the New Testament. New Testament, Holy Spirit, was He's the one who implanted the seed in Mary. He's present at Jesus' baptism, as I talked about, and preparing Jesus for ministry. And Jesus went after his baptism to the wilderness to be tempted, full of the Spirit. 
The works of Jesus, how were they done? And the power of the Holy Spirit, the miracles? Well, Jesus is such a God of miracles. He is, but in the power of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Spirit, He ministered to the world at Pentecost. When the Spirit fell in Acts chapter 2, shows up in a mighty way, rushing wind with dividing tongues of fire. He was the clear presence of God that rocked the house and the driving force in the establishment of the church, empowering believers and moving people towards Jesus. This is the Holy Spirit. He brought us the Word of God in 2 Timothy 3.16, 2 Peter 1.20. He carries out the work of God in the world today. Why did I give you all that history lesson on who the Holy Spirit is? Because you have to understand who the Holy Spirit is as a person, as divine, a part of the Godhead, the Trinity, before you can understand who He is in your life and what He accomplishes in your life as individual believers. Holy Spirit carries out the work of God throughout all of history and in the world today, but in your life and in my life today. God is on the throne. We get that. Jesus at the right hand of the Father. Where is the Holy Spirit? He's actively working in the world today. In fact, he's the primary manifestation of the presence of the Trinity today in our lives at this time in human history. Wayne Grudem says this, the work of the Holy Spirit is to manifest the active presence of God in the world and especially in the church, purposefully establishing and carrying out the work of God. All of history in the church, and here's where we get to this morning, and in your life and my life. Yes, God the Father, praise the Lord, He created. He, he gave us life and breath. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, and, and He gave us the opportunity to have eternal life and, and a newness of life comes through the Holy Spirit who then enables us not just to forsake sin, but to live out our lives for the glory of Jesus Christ. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, we are done. We are doomed as believers. With the Holy Spirit, we can actually accomplish all of God's purposes He set out for us to accomplish. Amen? So here's where I want to focus most of our time today. The Holy Spirit then is this, point number two, God in me. Not not just random God, but God in me. John 14, uh, verses 15 uh, to 31. And John 16, verses 5 to 15 are the two primary passages in the New Testament that talk about the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to read all of this. I'm not going to talk to all of these, but I want you to read these at home this afternoon to get a full picture of the Holy Spirit. Let me just tell you this. In John, 4, in John 16, verses 4 to 7, Jesus says, it's better to his disciples that I go away. Think about this. It's better that I'm not with you anymore because I'm going to give you someone, something more powerful than even Jesus with us. It's God within us in the form of the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine that, disciples? What, what, what? It's better that you go away? Like, I don't know about you, but if I'm with Jesus. I'm like, I think it's better that you stay here with me all the time. That you never go anywhere. That you and I, were tight. That we walk this thing together. But Jesus says, it's better that I go away because something more powerful, someone more powerful is going to come. It's the Holy Spirit. Not just beside you, but within you. John 14, 15 says that he dwells with you and will be with you. Here's what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. The Holy Spirit makes all the things of God that happen in our lives become a reality. In other words, the Holy Spirit is the match that ignites the fire and the fuel that keeps the fire of the activity of Jesus going within our lives. The Holy Spirit is a key to God's presence within us. Scriptures make this clear. Holy Spirit is God in me. He breathes life into my soul. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. 
The Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit. Do you see that? Through His Spirit that dwells within you. You you want life in your mortal body? You want the life of God in you? We all long for it. That's probably why we're even at church this morning. You're like, i got to get to church. I need something more than this world has to offer. I need something more than I can manufacture. There's something we need and long for is the Holy Spirit within us. The Holy Spirit breathes life into our dead souls. The Bible talks about this as regeneration. Just like God breathed physical life into Adam and Eve and gave us physical life, the Holy Spirit regenerates our hearts to beat with the life of God, the life of Christ. And Jesus used the term uh, born again in John chapter 3, 13, uh, 3, verse 3. He was referring to new life brought about by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, it says in that passage, moves like the wind. How does the wind move? We don't see it. It's kind of a mystery to us, but make no doubt about it. The Holy Spirit is active and is working, and the Holy Spirit does give life to the human soul as we repent of our sins and ask Jesus Christ to be Lord of our lives. Without the Holy Spirit, you have no spiritual life. You can be a good person as far as the world sees, You can do some good things. You might even have an awareness of God, but without the Holy Spirit in you, you have no spiritual life. You've been to a funeral before. Worst part of being a pastor is doing funerals. Casket. Somebody that maybe you walked with the day before, the week before, the year before, and all of a sudden they were so full of life, and here they are, right? They're just a corpse. There's nothing, and your head's trying to make sense of this. Man, like, where's the life gone? Well, well, that's our lives before spiritually, before Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, gives us new life. We are spiritual corpses. We're dead in our sins and trespasses, the Bible says. Dead person can do what? Nothing. But the moment the Holy Spirit taps us on the shoulder... Helps us realize that I am dead inside. There, there's something greater than this life. There's, some, there's someone greater and helps us lift our eyes to Jesus. The moment we acknowledge Jesus, the Holy Spirit then moves in and breathes. Holy Spirit, the, the official Hebrew is ruha, breathe. The breath of God breathes life into our dead corpses. Salvation is so much more an act of God than an act of man. There is none righteous, it says, none that seek him because we're all dead in our sins. And as we accept and believe and repent, the Holy Spirit then gives us life. The Holy Spirit baptizes us. The moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit baptizes the believer in the body of Christ. And this spiritual baptism cleanses the heart. You need your heart cleansed this morning. You need new life. It comes from the Holy Spirit. He cleanses our hearts of all sin and impurity. That's what water baptism signifies. The dead to my sin, the washing of the water of the Spirit coming within and raised to new life. Seals us, stamps us with authenticity. When a person becomes a follower of Christ, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 1 says. In other words, it's a set of mark and ownership, just like cattle. You know, cattle have that branding. We're, we're branded with the Holy Spirit by God. And just stop and think about this. If this is who the Holy Spirit is, if this is what he does, let me just ask you some simple questions to kind of think about the activity of the Holy Spirit in your life. Is, is your life right now alive in Jesus Christ? Even as I'm preaching, if this is something that's just whatever to you, that probably the Holy Spirit is either not there or he's not, he's, 
you're too distracted with something else to let him have full reign in your life. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives you an awareness of the presence of God. The Holy Spirit gives you the life of God. The Holy Spirit gives you a desire to read his word and pray and get involved in the things of God. Is the Holy Spirit truly in your life? I know a lot of people have gone to church their whole lives. They've gone to church their whole lives, but they've never truly been made brand new in Jesus Christ. Because they've missed that simple step of faith and repentance and inviting the Spirit of God to come in and make them new again. Let me ask you a few questions. Is there any sign of God in your life? Do you desire the things of God? Do you desire to do what's right? Do you want to know God and communicate with Him and worship Him? Do you have the life of God in you? If you have it, you know you do. You've been born again. Amen? You know you do. You know He's there. You know He's moving and driving. If you don't, either He's not there and never been, now's a good time to repent of your sin and turn to Jesus or hurts clouded that, or sins clouded that, it's a good time to come back and say, Jesus, I want your life to once again beat inside mine. The Holy Spirit breathes life into our soul. You know what else he does? According to John, he illuminates Jesus' truth. John 14, 17, the world cannot receive the spirit of truth because it neither sees him or knows him. Romans 1 tells us the unbeliever has their eyes darkened to truth. The things of God don't make sense. Things just don't fit together. And yet the Holy Spirit is the one who opens our eyes to truth, to the truth of Jesus. The Holy Spirit says in John 14, 26, will teach the believer all things and bring to your remembrance everything he has said. He searches out the deep things of God to make them known to the believers. The Holy Spirit is what shows us truth. So how does the Holy Spirit show us truth? He shines a spotlight on Jesus first and foremost, right? You go to those Christmas displays with the spotlights on the tree, you know, and you Holy Spirit puts a spotlight not on a tree, but on the cross, on Jesus Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And if you're sitting here today and you understand that Jesus is the Son of God, that he did die for your sins, that he is the only hope you have on this life for satisfaction and and joy and peace, and he's your only hope for all of eternity with God, then you have had the Holy Spirit open your eyes. He puts a spotlight on Jesus. It's not because you're smart that you've heard who Jesus is, the power of the Holy Spirit in you puts a spotlight on Jesus. He makes the Bible come alive. He takes reading the Bible from an intellectual head exercise to a heart engagement. Every time you read the Bible and something jumps off the page at you, that's not like, oh, that's what I got from the Bible today. That's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, hey, this is what God wants you to know today about himself or about yourself or about how he wants you to live or just about his love and his character. When your soul longs for the word of God, you know, your soul longs for the word of God, that's the Holy Spirit. That's not you because you're a good person. Oh, look at me. I'm so much more spiritual than so-and-so because I long for the word of God. Uh-uh. That's the Holy Spirit working in you to point you to Jesus, to give you a longing for the word of God. Even if you're not a reader, the Holy Spirit gives you a longing to read the word of God. When I was in high school, I didn't read one book. I don't think I watched all the movies. And I became a Christian in college, like, I had a longing to get in the Word of God. I couldn't get enough of it. I drank it up. That's the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit ignites your life to truth. You're struggling around, looking for truth. You know where you need to look no further than ask the Holy Spirit within you to show you truth. Even if what I'm saying right now, it doesn't resonate with you. It doesn't make sense. Just stop right now and say, Holy Spirit, make this real to me. Come alive in my life. I want God. He illuminates us to truth. Here's what else he does. He grows me in Christ-likeness sanctification. He grows me in Christ-likeness. When the Holy Spirit indwells us, here's what he does. He takes residence in our lives and he instantly begins remodeling our lives. 
to look more like Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit grows me into Christ-likeness. You ever driven by an old house? One of those dilapidated houses? And for years and years and years you drive by and it just looks like a house that's falling down and all of a sudden one day, all of a sudden there's a light on the inside and you know that somebody's in there working and you don't see any change on the outside yet but you know that someone's in there working and every week you drive by after that you see little changes because the lights are on the inside and it's dark, you see little changes, you see room by room, it's going through and being renovated and usually the last thing that's done is the outside and the year or two years or three years later you come by and you're like, man, remember that old dilapidated house? Look, they had a new owner and the whole thing is redone. It's beautiful. Now, you know those, those old shows you used to watch, the makeover shows, the home makeover shows? You guys nodding, you like those shows, right? Because it's cool. You see something that was like old and dilapidated, now something brand new that someone wants to buy. And guess what? That's what Jesus does in our lives. He takes us as, as old, sinful, dilapidated people. And he starts, he moves and starts renovating. The lights come on in our soul. And he starts renovating our house from the inside out. Room by room, he goes through and he renovates. And sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it hurts, but he does it so that we'll look more beautiful, more like Jesus Christ. It's not always easy, but it's always good. That's what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. Here's how he does it, according to John. He convicts me of my sin. Ah, oh, we hate that word, don't we? Conviction of my sin. I don't want to know my sin. God wants you to know your sin. You know why? So you'll turn to Jesus as your Savior. Then he can take your sin, that ugliness of your sin. He can clean it up and make you look like that beautiful picture of Jesus that you see in the Scriptures. The Holy Spirit convicts the unsaved world and believers of Sin, it says in John 16, 8 to 11, righteousness and judgment. You know in those times when you know you're doing something wrong? And you just know you're not in the right spot? And you got this little, this little like finger in your soul and just being pressed upon it and pressed upon it and pressed upon it. That's the Holy Spirit. Not trying to make you feel guilty so that you feel guilty and bad about yourself, that you'd repent of that sin and turn to Jesus. That he could make that area of your life whole again in Jesus' name. We've all experienced that before. I experience it all the time. I'm not someone more spiritual than you are. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I need the conviction of sin constantly in my life. I need the Holy Spirit sometimes to tell me to shut up, stop talking, and start listening. You might need the Holy Spirit to tell you to, to, today to stop living in impurity and lust and start living in holiness and righteousness. Stop living in that bitterness that's plagued you for years. You know it's plagued you. And stop living in that bitterness. And start living in forgiveness. And the same love that Jesus has given you to give that to others. Conviction, we hate it, don't we? Maybe the Holy Spirit's saying something to you right now that I'm not even saying at all, but the Holy Spirit's, there's this sin in your life and you know it's there. You have a great big smile on your face today in church and you look perfect and none of us are. I'm just in the same boat you are. We can look good on the outside, right? But we know deep down there's this nagging thing and this is nagging and it's like, I wish I could get past this and I wish God would, you know what he's doing? He's saying, just repent of that now. It's, I'm showing you that I can change that right now, right here. That your heart can beat with the life and love of Jesus again. Why does God convict us through the Holy Spirit? Because he loves you like a good parent. I have kids, 16, 14, and 5. They're the perfect kids in the whole world. <laughs> Not at all. I never wake up in the morning saying, I can't wait to discipline my kid today. 
But you know what? Every day it's there. You know why? Why do I discipline? Because I love them and I want them to see the right. I want to do what's right. The same reason Jesus points out your sin. Not so you can walk around feeling bad about yourself, that he can point out what's right. He can walk in the way of what's right. But he doesn't just point out our sin. It says here also he causes us to live in love righteousness. He gives you a desire to do the good things that you know you ought to do. And he gives you the power, get this, the power to do them. Not just the desire to do them, but also the power to do them. He causes us to, causes us to love and live in righteousness. To do the things God wants you to do so you can show off his glory. He doesn't just say, hey, stop doing that. You better live like this, like the angry old principal. Stop doing that and live like this. He actually comes out, if you stop doing that and trust me, I will help you live like this. I will empower you to live like this. It's so easy to read the Word, isn't it, sometimes, and see all the things we know we should do and could do and want to do, and like, but I just can't do it. <laughs> Ever been there? Like Paul? I know what I'm supposed to do, but I seem to do the wrong thing every single time. I sit there a lot. The Holy Spirit's like, if you know what you should do, here's what you do, you rely on me, and I'll give you the power and the strength to do it. He doesn't just say stop. He says, do this, and I'll help you do this. Loving your neighbors and investing in other people instead of being self-centered. Being generous gives you the ability and the power to do that. He, he gives you the, the ability to stop building your own kingdom and instead invest in Christ's church and his eternal kingdom. He actually helps you live in integrity. He actually helps you live in purity. For the believer living with Jesus, it's a chore to live out the commands of God sometimes, but with the Holy Spirit, it's always possible. Because the Holy Spirit empowers us to live out the fruit of the Spirit. What's the fruit of the Spirit? You guys know it. Galatians 5. What's the fruit of the Spirit? The Holy Spirit empowers us. He doesn't just say, hey, here's the fruit, figure it out. He empowers us to live the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I look at that list. I'm like, impossible. I can't do it. I'm so messed up sinner. But it is possible in the power of the Holy Spirit. Aren't you encouraged already? With who the Holy Spirit is? Here's what else he does according to these passages in John. He calls out judgment. He reminds us at the end of this life, there's going to be judgment for all of us. And to live our lives according to the gospel and the grace of God. Not denying Jesus or defying Jesus, but con concurring with Jesus, conforming and allowing Jesus to fill our hearts. This is what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. And the Bible tells us to constantly be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5, verse 8. Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's an ongoing event. Yes, God gives you the Holy Spirit at the beginning of your time with, with Jesus. When you repent of your sin, he gives you the Holy Spirit. Then he says to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. Time with God in the Word. Time, time in worship. Time, time in prayer. That's how we get filled with the Holy Spirit. Time with other believers. Be filled. It's a command. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, we can be empty. Like your car can be empty, we can be empty. We live in our sin. We live according to our own ways. We decide that we're going to do things our way. We get the Holy Spirit, the love of the Holy Spirit. Always there. Never going to leave us or abandon us, but we can be filled or we can be empty of the Holy Spirit. God says be filled. Get in the Word of God. Pray lots. Worship your heart out. Enjoy the presence of God. Be filled. Go back to the basics. Just love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. My wife and I talked about this on the way to church today. Isn't it easy as Christians? We get there all the time. How we start this thing so simple, just loving God. And some of make it so legalistic. If I do, 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 instead of 
just allowing God's love to manifest itself in our hearts, to simply love God, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a daily battle, less of me and more of God. Asking God, help me think like you think by the power of the Holy Spirit. Help me feel like you feel by the power of the Holy Spirit. Help me desire what you desire by the power of the Holy Spirit. As we do that, he's going to equip us for the mission. Here's the last part of John, chapter 14, verse 16 and verse 26. He equips me for the mission. I love this. The Holy Spirit doesn't just call us to mission. He actually gives us everything we need to accomplish God's purposes for our lives. He equips us to mission. Here's what John 14, 16 says. He'll give you a helper. Verse 26 says the same thing, a helper, a helper. Not like he's in our kids. Oh, here's my little helper. He's going to help me by getting in the way and messing all my stuff up. He's going to give you a helper. Anyone here today need a helper? Anyone need a helper? Come on, anyone need a helper today? I need a helper today. I can't preach this message without a helper. I can't go home and be a good father without a helper. I can't even be a good Christian without a helper. Sometimes I think being a Christian is impossible, but it's not impossible because we have the helper, capital H helper, the helper, the only helper we need, the one person that can empower us to accomplish all that God's called us to. We have the helper, not a self-help book, not your mom's advice, not your best friend's wisdom, the helper who's not just with us, but where is he? He's within us. Awesome. We have a helper. I'm one of those guys that when it comes to home rental projects, I have a lot of good ideas, but I have two left hands. I just can't make it happen. If you never do a home rental project, I call a friend according to what their trader skill is. You know what I mean? Hey, Ben, what are you doing Saturday afternoon? I have some time to hang out. He knows what I want. Something to do around the house. My wife's brother is the opposite of me. He can do anything. Electricity, plumbing, drywall, anything. So he's my go-to guy. Hey, Ben. He's like, what do you want? Where are we going to meet? What time? What do I need to get? And here's the thing with Ben. When he shows up to my house to do a home rental project, he pulls his Jeep up, he undoes the, the back hatch, and he pulls everything out that we're going to need to accomplish the project. Like, everything. Have you thought about? Got it. Box number three. What about box number two? He unpacks his tools, and I'm his little helper. I start doing it. He comes along beside me to show me how to do it. I get caught. I call Ben. He fixes what I messed up right there. Sometimes he says, why don't you just step back and let me do it and save me the fix-up job? It's kind of the same, but on a far greater scale with the Holy Spirit. When there's a task to do, the Holy Spirit comes. He brings everything you could ever need to do the task. And get this, he also is the one to accomplish the task. Whether you give yourself a pat on the back or not at the end of the time, it's actually the Holy Spirit that has accomplished anything of any value in your life, especially for the kingdom of God. But he lets us be a part of it for our joy and for his glory. We just finished renoing my basement. When we're done, I was like, Ben, look at the good job we did. He's like, we Oh, yeah, you did good, Daryl. You did good. Being generous, you know? But really, I should just step back and say, Ben, look at the good job you did. Thanks for saving me thousands of dollars and for doing a fantastic job. This is the Holy Spirit in our lives. He is the helper. 
the equipper. He gives you the wisdom you need. In every circumstance, not just understand the things of God, but to know how to navigate through the things of life and parenthood and, and being a teenager and making decisions and in trials and sadness. He is our wisdom. He's the one who helps us, but he gives us a desire to pray, but he also uh, acts as our interpreter in prayer, it says. Spirit knows what we mean and conveys it to God. We are called to pray in the Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit guides our prayers and gives us the things to pray that are outside of ourselves according to God's will. He gives us the obedience, the strength to walk in obedience. I can't do it, Lord. Yes, you can. Holy Spirit, help me. Have you ever prayed to the Holy Spirit before? We don't pray to the Holy Spirit. We pray to God. We pray to you. He's a matter of the truth. Holy Spirit within me, help me now. Help me now. You're my helper. Help me live in obedience. You can overcome that sin or that lifestyle or that emptiness. He gives us spiritual gifts. Just like at Christmas, we all got gifts this past Christmas. We told our kids this year is going to be a leaner Christmas than most with transitions and everything. Guess what? There's more under the tree this year somehow than ever before. Holy Spirit gives us gifts in abundance, not just like you don't get a gift this year. Everyone gets a gift. When you're saved, you get a gift to use for the serving, the, building the kingdom of God. He gives you strength to serve. Gives you the ability to become the hands and the feet and the mouth of God to fulfill his mission. He gives you the words to share, the desire, the words to say, and the desire to share your faith with those around you. He gives you boldness. Are you meek this morning? Are you quiet? Are you shy? You're not sure how to initiate conversations about Jesus? Ask the Holy Spirit. He'll actually give you the people to talk to and give you the words to speak. When it comes to the things of God in your life, there's no more I can't. You read the word of God, and you say, it's impossible. I can't. There's no more I can't. It's impossible. It's, more, it's now I can and I will by the power of the Holy Spirit. You're still praying for that one person that you know that you, need, that you want to become saved. And you're praying. You've already written them off in your head. It can't happen. It can't happen. I can't share. I can't do it. You can. And it can happen by the power of the Holy Spirit. See what happens when we miss out on the Holy Spirit? We got God. We got Jesus. We forgot about for some reason, God's manifest presence in the world and in our lives today, the Holy Spirit. But to have a full picture of God, to have a full vibrant relationship with God, we need not just an understanding of, but an awareness of and an openness to the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit is God in the world and in us, accomplishing His work. He empowers the church. Why is this church, not just this church, but every church in North America still going today? Because of the Holy Spirit. We're people, man. We were screwing this thing up a long time ago. It'd be over. But the Holy Spirit keeps us going. The Holy Spirit keeps you going. Your life in the hands of the Holy Spirit is like a hockey stick in the hands of Wayne Gretzky. I know you Americans probably don't get this at all, but use a baseball analogy or whatever. If you go to the Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto, which I have been with my son a few times, all excited the first time to go, you walk in there, you know all it is? It's a bunch of jerseys and a bunch of sticks just sitting around in a room. And you're like, this is the most boring thing we've ever done. We've battled all that traffic and all that time to get here and look at sticks and, a, and jerseys. This is stupid. I remember walking through and trying to make the best of it and saying to my son, see that stick there? That was one Wayne Gretzky used to score whatever goal. And I had a stick like that when I was a kid. It was a Titan. It was white with red letters. Everyone had a Titan. Do you want to be like Wayne Gretzky? Well, I told him, I said, that stick there, I had one just like it. He said, Dad, could you score 500 goals? I'm like, not a chance. 
Because that stick in my hands is nothing like that stick in Wayne Gretzky's hands. You put that stick in Wayne Gretzky's hands, that stick can do anything he would want it to do and could do, you know? It's, it's, it conforms to his ability. You put that stick in my hands, it conforms to my ability. And here's the deal. We are just a hockey stick in this life. But you put that hockey stick in the hands of the Almighty God by the power of the Holy Spirit, and guess what God can do in and through your life? Anything God can do. Anything God can do. You keep that stick in your hands, and you know what you're going to find? You're tripping over your skates, and you're muffing shots, and you're making a mess of things, and you may as well just go sit on the bench. You put that stick in God's hands, there's no limitations to what God can do in and through your life. Get this, not according to your will or your desires, but according to his will and his desires, what he wants to accomplish in and through your life. John 15, 5 has been my theme verse from the very beginning back in college. And it's right sandwiched between John 14 and John 16, I believe, on purpose. And here's what it says in verse 4. Abide in you and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, and let, uh, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do Apart from me, you can do. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But with me, you can do everything God calls and desires you to do. Abide in me. Abide in God. Love God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Remain in him. And you can do everything he's called you to do. Sinful? Absolutely. Perfect? Never. But forgiven sinners empowered to accomplish the purpose of God. That's this church. That's your life. Let me pray for us as we finish this, that God would take this and somehow apply it to our lives in a way that doesn't just sit in our heads now for this morning, but then transfers to how we live our lives the rest of this week, the rest of this year, 2021, that we might see God accomplish great and mighty things in this church, in your life, and in others' lives, through your life for his glory. Let's pray.